Hi guys and welcome to this week's Fight Site Boxing Podcast. I'm Luke Cash as always and um, two fights this week. It's not going to be the longest podcast in the world. Two fights, one of them was 90 seconds long. Um, that's uh, Tim Chu beating Carlos Campo and uh, one of them was uh, really fucking boring. Reggie Progrovers, Reggie Progrovers, um, Danielita Zarula. So, um, you know, I'm not going to go super in-depth in either because there just isn't that much to say, more to say about Progrove, but, you know. Um, yeah, but I'm going to start off with... Uh, with Tim Chu's um, win over Ocampo, which really, all there is to say is um, Tim Chu has improved fairly dramatically since um, he had a, you know, clear but struggle, you know, he had problems beating Terra Gaushek Gaushek roughly 18 months ago, and he has improved immeasurably since then. And I think he's improved directly from that fight, because the thing he did wrong in that fight is get his balance all screwed up, kept sort of getting square and uh, getting caught, um, you know, within Gaucho's range and uh, getting clipped. And that's how he got knocked down and, uh, you know, he couldn't get himself clear. And in this fight, you know, it was a 90 second knockout. Um, but the uh, the difference between now and then, he threw more punches, yeah, he was more aggressive. Um, but the reason he was able to... to Pour on the pressure like he was here, like he was here, was because um, he was able to throw the big punches and then check himself, stop, let um, let Ocampo throw, let those punches go past his face, and then go straight back on the attack. And that wouldn't have happened if he was still balancing himself the way he was against Cachet eighteen months ago. He had uh, his stance is just so improved. He has uh, basically his his he's well balanced now, and he times it well, and um, and so he's able to let uh to absorb punches or, you know, sway back and let them go go in front of him. And the other thing he did was just notice bad habits that Ocampo has, which is to say Ocampo, um, yeah, he comes a bit too far over his front foot and he tends to turn a little sideways when he's trying to avoid punches instead of actually slipping. Like he just turns a little bit into the punch. Um, but yeah, the, the knockout, the first, um, not the knockout, but the first real hurtful punch was uh, Ocampo threw a jab, um, to um, absorbed it, kind of leaned back from it, and then the second one, uh, before he saw it coming, he saw that uh, Campo was about to throw one, and he just stepped in with one too and nailed him as he was leaning forward. And because he was, you know, because he was moving, he doubled, basically doubled the force of the punch. And because Campo had, because he was leaning forward, um, there was nowhere for, you know, he couldn't roll with, he couldn't sway with the punch, so it just went straight through him. And that, that basically was the beginning of the end of the fight, you know, he, he struggled, struggled on madly afterwards, but he was not all there. Um, you know, the first knockdown was, uh, was, um, Chu just measuring up a campo, you know, he had his left hand out and he's like, okay, 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 I'm gonna hit you now, and like, you're not reacting, I'm gonna smack you, and he went down, and then the knockout was, um, you know, he got up, he recovered from that, um, but the first exchange, he still went stumbling around the ring and uh, Chu clipped him with a big left hook. But, you know, even there, it was the balance where he was able to keep his feet under him despite chasing a stumbling opponent. Um, and so he was able to throw the punch, the left hook, properly rather than just an arm punch, which you sometimes see in situations like that. So, yeah, it was just a really, you know, a neat 90-second performance. There's not a lot more to say. It will be interesting to see him against Charlo if that fight happens. Um one thing that's worth noting as well is um, my, one of my, not criticisms, but worries of Chu before was that um, he do, he has a tendency to 
um, you know, he, he's a pressure counterpuncher. Sometimes he has been to a fault, you know, letting the opponent um, throw first before he throws. Um, but in this one, clearly, you know, he decided to um, to push the tempo. I did see someone suggest, I apologise whoever it was, I don't think it was one of my listeners, I can't remember where I read it, in a comment section somewhere, I think. Um, I did see someone point out that the viable explanation for his hurry this time was not trying to prove a point, but because he got bitten by a dog and had like 20 stitches or whatever it was, um, what was it, three weeks ago? Um, there's a good chance that that wasn't healed properly and that he wanted to, um, you know, get his opponent out of there as quickly as possible to avoid tearing the healing that you know it will still be healing it'll be you know it won't be an open wound anymore but but it will know there was no chance it would have been 100% healed so that may have factored um, in him being more aggressive than normal but he may also just be more aggressive you know becoming more aggressive when he needs to because there's a good string to add to his bow there's really not a lot else to say it was only 90 seconds long so you know um, I will mention the uh the co-main, because that was a good fight. It was um, Sam Goodman versus Ray Salim. Um, for it was an IBF eliminator at um, at uh, the 122 pounds. So well, what is that? Uh, Super Bantam. So it's um, for oh man, I, I know this for whose belt it is. It's for Marlon Tapas's belt. Um, in any case, uh, Goodman was kind of, you know, Goodman's the rising star here. He's a local boy. He's an Australia card. Uh, he's a local boy there. He's 24. Um, and he's kind of the rising star. Um, Aleem has been around for a while, kind of been circling. He's always been in some ranking body, uh, some sanctioning body rankings, has never got the title shot. This may have been his last chance, um, given that he is a... Uh, um, getting uh, he's in the 30s I think he's 30 yeah 32 I think he turns 33 this week I think that was what they were saying on the broadcast so you know it's not that his career is at an end but you know the way he's had till now is um you know he hasn't really got the chances he's uh, wanted it's going to be far, tough for him to get to get the chances again uh, in any case it was a good fight it was an entertaining scrap um, back, well not back and forth so much as uh, Aleem was winning early and Goodman was winning late and uh, there was a lot of debate for um, you know who exactly when that takeover happened um, it was sort of a fairly gradual um, takeover I don't think there was any problem with Goodman winning um, one of the judges gave Aleem a really wide card and one of the judges gave Goodman a really wide card I don't think either one is really fair but I don't think either one is that sort of outrageous either like the Australian um, publications are like oh you know it was a it was an outrageous card and da 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 and it's, I mean it was kind of yeah um, but it wasn't any more outrageous than the one that gave Goodman a really wide win it was just a, a close fight um, you know, but they both basically liked the other guy's work a little bit just a little bit too much and started in one case giving Goodman the rounds probably earlier than was warranted, and the other guy, you know, later than was warranted. Um, but in any case, it was a good scrap. And what ha- what the key thing is is Goodman is a good, well-rounded, you know, mostly technically solid boxer. Um, he has a really good jab, and he cranks the pressure well. Um, I've seen him before, but I haven't really paid attention. So um, I have, like the commentators were saying, and it's kind of I think I saw someone else say this as well, um, that he's not always this pressure cranking fighter and that's probably fair to say because he wasn't really pushing the pressure early on he was fighting behind his jab he was moving and boxing and and then it was uh in the second half that he really started to become this come forward fighter uh, that we saw it was nice to see the adjustment um he does have his technical flaws which 
weirdly enough, quite similar to Tim Chu's in that his high guard is crap. His high guard is fucking rubbish. I didn't mention that in the uh, my analysis because it just never came up. But um, yeah, no, Goodman was just he keeps his hand up, hands up, and covers his head and just leaves his body completely fucking open. And uh, yeah, he's fairly open to shots just down the middle as well. Um, and in the first half of the fight, Aleem was just beaning his body, just really going to town downstairs. And it's quite surprising that he didn't tire more than he did. Um, and the other thing with him, he has a weird. I mentioned this, I was, I was chatting in the comments on uh, Bad Love Took, I mentioned this then. Um, he just has a weird stance where his feet are like how they should be, but he kind of twists a bit more and his shoulders are really fucking square to a lean. Um, and that was odd, and it kind of makes it hard for him to avoid some punches. Um, in any case, yeah, I wasn't impressed with his defence, basically, at all, especially in the first half of the fight. Um, but his... Offense is pretty good. His jab is excellent. And he was basically started pushing the pressure, pushing the pressure. And eventually Aleem started backing off and getting tired. And his defense started, you know, leaking like a sieve. And Goodman just really took over the, the range and the, the, where the fight was taking place. And he just really controlled it with his positioning. And eventually that turned into real success on the offensive side. And he started landing, you know, lots of the head, lots of the body. And, um, and Aline was really having to work hard because the jab was so good. It's a really good jab, guys. And because the jab was so good, he was finding it really difficult to find anything, um, you know, either attacks down the middle or safety in, you know, down the middle. So he was having to go around, work around all the time. Something I, that's something I always really enjoyed. You know, it's just seeing a basic fighter with a really good jab, um, and following that jab up with other, you know, other shots that fill the space. And so the other opponent, the opponent has to sort of work around and, it, I really enjoy seeing that sort of taking control of the middle. And Goodman just did it really well. It was fun. Um, yeah. It will be interesting to see if he can beat to Palace. Who knows? Who knows? But, um, yeah, that'll be a good fight. Um, and, so, you know, Sam Goodman at 24 is a guy to look out for. And that's really all I have to say about that, fight, about that card. Um, but, well, it was odd. It was odd. Um, Showtime only covered that the main and co-main. Uh, the... Uh, the local pay-per-view in Australia um, had the full, you know, the main card. And there were, like, three knockouts. I think some of them won the prelims, but in any case, there were, like, three knockouts in the first round and a bunch of other stuff. And, and they had hardly any fucking highlights, like, even that. Just kind of weird, weird promotion. You know, I know you're Australian and whatever, but you do want to get your name out there. And, you know, how difficult is it to just put the fucking clip on Twitter? You know, come on, let us see. And there was one of them where one of the guys um had, like, this really good walkout and you know this Maori um, sort of I'm not sure if it was a hacker is the right term uh, that's um, but in any case he had this you know war cry war dance walkout and you know big big bold stuff and then he got knocked out in the first round and they showed us two different clips of the fucking walkouts and none of the fight none of the knockouts so what the fuck are you doing um, I mean clearly the guy the guy was their guy I guess um, and they didn't want to you know promote the uh the visiting fighter, so to speak, but yeah, you know, you know, what, what are you doing, guys? Um, in any case, okay, I'm now going to move on to Progray versus um, Zaria, which was fucking shit. I uh, I didn't watch it. Like, I, I watched it live, but I was prepping and co- you know watching and covering. I mean, I wasn't watching because I wasn't getting any footage, but I was covering the uh, the. Um, the beginning of the true card for for Bloody Elbow at the time, so I wasn't giving it my full attention. I've kind of, you know, seen bits of it since as well, but yeah, you know, I, I I get the the idea. And the thing is, in the first round, 
Progay got too keen. He got uh, clipped. Uh, it was kind of a knockdown, not a knockdown. Um, you know, what can you say? Basically, Zaria, he, he kind of backed up and hurt Ruguru already. And then he stepped forward with a, he stepped through with a right hand that really, really snapped him back. And he was falling. And then Zaria kind of stepped forward and tried to grab Progray, uh, Ruguru, and fell over him. And Progray also fell on his ass. But he was, you know, probably going to fall on his ass anyway. Um, so it could have been a knockdown. It wasn't. But it clearly spooked Progray. And he, um, you know, he spent the rest of the fight basically being really skittish. Um, it was a open starts matchup. Um, Progress is half poor. So Rio was basically loading up this right hand the whole time. Um, I say the whole time. Um, they hardly threw any punches. They landed, I think, 86 punches in the whole fucking fight. You know, a new low for a title fight um, on record for CompuBox. Fucking dreadful. It was dreadful. Progray was throwing quite a lot, but he was fucking, you know, it's Holly Holm style, just throwing at the air a meter in front of him, um, in front of the rear. It was fucking, it was quite embarrassing, to be honest. Um, like he, he didn't, you know, the first round he landed a few solid shots and then got caught back, not even before the knockdown, which I think probably what the, the knockdown, which I think is probably what spooked him. Like, um, he didn't really want to get involved because he'd already been hit by shots. Um, and yeah, so he he told his coach in between rounds, you know, oh yeah, um, his, his coach said, um, you know, so don't get hit by it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. And that's true. He didn't really get hit by it afterwards, but, um, but that's because he just wasn't getting close enough. He just fucking, and, um, people were giving, I saw people, uh, again, in the comments on Bad Left Hook, and weirdly enough, elsewhere, people comparing Zaria to, um, to Rugendo. And it's like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I re- some of the people who are making this comparison are guys I respect, but, Come on, come on! He, he, all he was was defensive. That's it. Um, yes, uh, the, you know the previous record for lowest puncher uh, connection in a title fight had been um, Rigondeaux versus Casemiro, which was a very bad fight. But also Rigo way past his best. Um, you know, Zaria is not clean. He's not clean. He's not really good. He's just kind of awkward and throwing that right occasionally. Um, yeah, Progre did knock down Zaria in, I think it was the fifth. Let me check. It was the third. Yeah, fucking hell, my memory of this fight is so bad. Yeah, you know, it was just a, you know, he stepped in, knocked him down, and it just didn't do anything else after that. Like he didn't follow up. He didn't have, he didn't have the timing, the feel for the timing to push on and uh, and feel com- feel comfortable. Um, you know, taking advantage of, because this is a thing. This was a bad sign for Progre. Um, Zaria makes the kind of errors. This is why I find the comparison to Rigo so annoying. Um, Zaria is constantly off balance, like all the time when he's at range. Progray is the kind of fighter who would normally be fucking feasting on that. He's normally so good at closing the range really quickly and coming in at weird angles and catching his opponents um, off balance and fucking them up, basically. And um, and he just couldn't find it. Like, even after he found the knockdown and... Uh, you know, clearly could get to his opponent. He just didn't have the confidence in himself to um, to keep doing that. And, you know, he has acknowledged it was a bad performance. I wouldn't necessarily expect to see something that bad from him again. But, uh, but no, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't a good performance. Um, you know, coming into the fight, I would have been like, full of confidence that he beat all of the other champions at 140. Um, now, I would still probably pick him, you know, Tiafimo Lopez, as good as he looked against the... Uh, I mean, but that's was the thing. Tiafimo Lopez needs his guy coming at him. Progre looked bad 
needing to come at his opponent. So, you know, d- would I pick like a Lopez is retired? Um, yeah, you know, I don't believe that's going to stick. But um, and I think he's serious about it. I don't think it's going to stick. In any case, yeah, it, it is a worrying performance for Progre. Um, and Daria had the worst possible outcome because he um, he looked really fucking bad and it was a really terrible fight. But um, he got wiped out on the scorecards. Like a couple of them were really wide, embarrassingly wide. But again, that was one of those things um, uh, where one guy was coming forward and looking really bad and the other guy was going backwards and looking really bad and um, that was the whole story of the fight so if you like the guy going backwards and his work a little bit better you were going to give Zaria you know a lot and he got one of the you know it was a split decision in the end um, and he got one of the cards pretty wide and then if you look the uh, the other way um, you know if you like the aggressor going forward um, if you give that the weight then you're going to give Program more of the rounds, so even though it was really, you know, it was it was close simply by nature of no one was fucking landing anything. Um, it isn't that big, you know, what that wild a deal for one or the other scorecard to be really fucking wide, um, just because there was, you know, there was all, so little happening that you were picking what you did like, you know, which style you prefer really came into it. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm not surprised, um, you know, people calling it, you know, Eddie Hearn fixing his fights. Uh, Progo was fucking rubbish, but it wasn't one, you know, I don't think scoring it for Zaria is necessarily wrong, but if you think that Progo could not possibly have won that fight, that he got, that it was a robbery victory, etc., etc., then I think you're scoring the fight on, against your expectations, not against what actually happened, which was a close fight, because nothing fucking happened, <laughs> you know. It was it was dreadful. I'm sorry. It was fucking dreadful. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it, don't 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 bother. Don't bother. Don't go and watch it. Um, it wasn't as bad as a uh, Belly versus Cleverly too, but but it was bad. It was painful. So yeah, I didn't see anything else on that card, so I'm not going to talk about anything else on that card. Um, on Friday, uh, Fraser Clark beat Marriage Rach. Apparently, it wasn't a very you know workmanlike performance. I didn't watch. Um, the only real thing of interest I've got to say about that is less, you know, anything technical and more. I'm starting to get worried by Boxer because I'm not really sure what they're doing. And, um, you know, it was unfortunate for them that Adam Azim got an infected hand. I saw a photo of the, the infection he infected. He had an infected knuckle and it was fucking horrible. So I don't blame him for not fighting. But in any case, um, they were selling tickets still, I think, on Thursday, um, possibly still on Friday. And it was £60 for the cheapest. Um, and that would have been outrageous even if Adam Azim had been on the card. It's fucking ludicrous when you've got Fraser Clark leading the bill. Um, and, you know, it's getting between 60 and like 120. Um, it's just not not competent promotion. I don't know, maybe they thought that they have to charge as much as possible because no one was going to watch only Fraser Clark on TV. Like, they clearly weren't planning to sell the, the bill around him and uh, and then ended up in the position of having to. But it's just, it was just not, you know... And there are little things. Uh, ben Shalom is new to the job. You know, he's been doing it for. I mean, he's been up for a few years now. But they've been the sort of Sky's main promoter for a couple of years now. Um, they've picked up a, some good talent, but it's all rising talent. They don't have any established stars, so they're having to build cards around. You know, Adam Azim. Um, um, they've got um, Ben Whitaker. They've got. Um, I think Savannah Marshall. They've got who is an established starter, but um, um, they've got. Um, Fuck's sake, I just said Ben Whisker. Anyway, you know what I'm saying here. Yeah. Um, 
is they haven't got the proven, proven stars. So they're building cards around these rising stars, but they're putting these rising stars with guys that they should be squashing. Um, so it's, you know, they have to be careful there. And then they have the thing where they have got Jack Catterall. That, that is one established kind of star. Um, and they fucked him because, um, you know, they, they eventually got on the rematch with, uh, Josh Taylor and then Josh Taylor got injured. And they didn't have a clause to account for the injury, like, and that's not just on boxer. The management needed to be on on board as well. But you know, come on. Um, so I'm a little worried, but I would like Ben Shalom to succeed because just the more the merrier and promotion. Like, it's kind of bad because you know the more promoters there are, the the more chance of boxing bullshit. But um, you know, as long as you can work together, um, it's better for the fighters to have more options. It's it's just generally healthier for the sport as long as they can work together. So. You know, anyway. Um, yeah, that's really all I've got to say this week. <laughs> Not really stretches very long, 20 minutes. Um, this weekend, um, we have a few fights coming up. Um, the best one, unfortunately, um, is it's Kazuto um, Ioka um, versus Joshua Franco, the rematch. And um, we're probably not going to get to see it live in, uh, in Europe or America. Um, it's a Japan card. It's on um, Saturday. It will be Saturday morning our time, I think. But um, there's no sign of a of um, of a broadcast for us. We'll be on YouTube afterwards, but I doubt we'll be able to see it live. So that's a shame. Um, Edgar Belanger is fighting Jason Quigley. Um, you know, I really don't give a fuck. But uh, <laughs> Edgar Belanger has tanked so hard. Like, he went through this first round knockout stream of fights and then just ran it as soon as he got to any kind of level he became really really dull um i hope he becomes a good fighter like he becomes the fighter that he promised to be but uh, and then you've got Carlos Adana and damas versus junior williams at middleweight um yeah jay rock's quite good damas quite good that's a decent fight it's a decent fight i'm not sure if i'll uh um, watch it live or anything like that, but um, it's a decent fight. Um, and if you know anything of note happens, then I'll see you back next week. If nothing of note happens, then I won't because you know um, I've got a lot going on and I can't always record if there's nothing happening. Um, any case, um, as always, you know everyone who listens to me is already following the fight site. Probably you're probably all on the Discord, but <laughs> or if you're not on the Discord, you know you you will follow our stuff. Um, join the Patreon and all of that stuff. Follow me at Crafty Boxing, uh, follow the fight site at the fight site, and yeah, that's the stuff. Um, I'll see you next week.